Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Local Matters Podcast. I'm joined to, uh, today again with Ethan. Hello. And Charlie. Hiya. And today we're going to start Season 2 of the podcast with a wrap-up of what we discussed in Season 1, going over all of our core principles. Um, I think the best point to start on is regionalism, uh, but to give a sort of wrap-up, what we will be doing today is defining what localism really is about in sort of short terms before we move on to a more um, consistent basis for the podcast, talking about current affairs, etc., rather than ideal, uh, ideology. Uh, so would you like to lead us off on regionalism, Charlie? Yeah, it's one of the biggest things we talk about. Um, of course, all of this is intertwined, so it's hard to talk about one thing over another. Um, but regionalism specifically is about the devolution of power um, across England or the UK or even across Europe. Um, so laws can specialise per each area. You know, Yorkshire has very different demands to London, and you can make comparisons like this all across Europe. As we've discussed before, London cannot dictate efficiently every region of every country within the UK. So we believe that it's best if it was broken up and was a more federal system in which people had more choice over their specific area rather than the entire country dictating what each region has. And one of the main issues of regionalism is democracy as 650 MPs in Westminster cannot be said to accurately represent 66 million people. And so that brings us on to another one of our major policy points, which is direct democracy. What this effectively means is that the average person should have a greater say in government and sovereignty should be returned to local communities rather than concentrated in the hands of the representatives, who, as we've already said, often are nowhere near representative enough for modern democracy. The system that most inspiration can be drawn from right now is probably the Swiss model with its decentralised cantons and direct democratic referenda and all things like that, although that model isn't perfect either. In a nutshell, British constituencies are just too big for people to feel like they are having a say in their government anymore. Yeah, 100%. So what, what practically we're advocating is uh, greater powers for local assemblies and local councils to govern their respective regions uh, give them more uh, or give them more autonomy uh, to decide what happens in the local area because of course those from the local area know what is best for said local area um, reducing the size of constituencies and again creating uh, stepping stones between uh, your local constituency to parliament so having you know uh, an English parliament having a Yorkshire parliament things like this uh, to create these stepping stones in between uh, you know yourself your MP and then the entirety of the country uh, would create uh, a lot more of a democratic system with the population that we have currently. Which brings us on to overpopulation, uh, which was one of the later things we talked about on the podcast. Clearly most of our population growth stems from immigration, uh, with about 80% of our population coming from net migration. Um, and this is a massive issue which impacts lots of other issues we're about to talk about, uh, economic, social, uh, environmental issues. Um, but largely we're advocating for a reduction in immigration as the UK is already increasingly urbanizing. It's very hard for us to sustain these numbers and it, we need to start looking towards uh, developing our infrastructure for a smaller population rather than constantly trying to grow our existing population. Absolutely. There's no end in sight for the population of the UK. At the moment, as it should be going down, as you said, Patrick, there's been propped up by mass immigration. Um, and not only does this have native effects on the countries they're coming from, but also on the social and environmental aspects of our country as well. 
our environment is not only damaged by mass immigration, but effectively since industrialization, um, our car usage, our litter, our single-use plastic, all of this has become a natural part of our daily lives. But unfortunately, it's not natural at all, and it's really damaging to our national and global ecosystem. We have species dying out en masse, and we're causing a massive negative effect to the Earth very quickly. Yeah, this can be seen physically as well through the uh, destruction of the green belt and then as well the replacement of uh, native red squirrels with grey squirrels, which are an invasive species. But I think all of this sort of ties into consumerism, which was uh, one of our most popular episodes, which I think is worth talking about. And this is part of the broader issue of consumerism, which affects all areas of society from social well-being to economy to environmental health, everything like that. Not only does consumerism cause an immense amount of damage to the environment through things such as single-use plastics and other forms of pollution, it also negatively affects the well-being of local communities through things such as the displacement of local businesses in favour of large corporations who are able to drive their prices down because of their size and often cutting the corners of environmental and health regulations. In addition to just generally disconnecting people from their local community, making them rootless consumers rather than part of the essentially ecosystem that a community, a local community, is intended to be. The cycle of consumerism is perpetuated by what's referred to as the rat race, with most people working uh, nine to five, five days a week, spending about a quarter of their lives um, sat in an office or a factory or wherever it may be um, for some cause they don't believe in to get paid to come home and repeat the cycle next week. Although this is designed for economic stability, we find a lot of psychological and uh, emotional effects on on people and the well-being of the population as a whole. Um, when so many of us are put into such similar situations in our workplace, most people will tell you they don't like that job. Not only does it affect our population, but it reinforces this idea that we can't produce everything we need and we rely on this import-export system from abroad which can cause a whole web of problems and complications when we rely on other countries for such important things, even even as far as medicine or food. And of course, on that point, we don't expect everything to be locally produced in the UK. That's completely unrealistic in a modern society. Uh, but our dependence on foreign economies can be greatly reduced. And the impact that this has on those foreign economies, specifically third world countries whose manufacturing we're abusing, uh, as well as low regulations on labour laws, uh, are also being massively harmed by this constant demand for consumerism. Um, the sort of global policy of um, economic growth is really um, really around the roots of Americanization, which I think is now a good point to move towards. Um, largely, the economic uh, chains that America holds on primarily Europe, but the world as a whole, uh, as a sort of economic juggernaut, uh, whose hands we're now in thanks to the Brexit referendum. Yeah, America not only dominates our streets with things like Starbucks or McDonald's, they dominate the world, sometimes through war, largely, uh, as most people will know it, as um, as battle for oil. You know, a lot of poorer countries with oil reserves are now occupied by American forces to some extent or another because America seems to be playing this long game in which they use foreign oil for their own companies rather than the reserves within the US. On top of the corporate side of things, um, our politics and our own culture even is all diluted by Americanization and American habits. 
Now, this isn't some anti-American rant or anything. We're not raging against genes or American movies. These are just symptoms, not the root of the problem of Americanization. And the main problem is essentially the uprooting of English culture. So now it has no cultural myths or cultural memory or any cultural independence, really. And as a result, has adopted the American culture as a sort of foster culture. So, yeah, it's not about the individual manifestations of this Americanization in the form of American restaurants and chains, things like that. But it's more the grave consequences that we'll start to see from the loss of a, the roots of the English culture. I think that cultural point isn't one to gloss over either. I mean, our consumption of American media um, and news as well is is massive. You can see it in all realms of society, again, be it news or be it, you know, the TV shows, the movies that you watch. You know, constant presence of American cultural values through their uh, created media, which, of course, we can't blame them for. It's their media. Of course, they're going to impose their own cultural values on it. Uh, but the mass consumption of this by an English and British or European population is slowly going to trickle down and these cultural um, elements are going to be seen to slip into um, you know, European culture and traditions. Uh, this can be seen massively across the UK. I mean, people always talk about uh, how they want to move to America, etc., etc. Um, I think it's massive just how uh, idealistic people look or idealistically people look at America. Um, and the effect that that has on our culture as a whole isn't just uh, one of revelation, but it's also diluting our own culture, similar to what you said, Charlie. Um, but I, I think that's a good point to wrap up on. Really, we've we've covered the main topics, uh, which we've already gone over in the podcast. Uh, those being regionalism, democracy, overpopulation, environmentalism, consumerism, and then Americanization. Um, and now to sort of bring it to a wrap. Uh, this is what we call overall the the collection of these beliefs and the the acknowledgement of these issues, the ideology of localism, and that's uh, on what this group is founded. Um, you know, it is the priority of of community um, and a nation. It is putting these issues first and dealing with them rather than getting caught up in a left right dichotomy, rather than getting caught up in tax rates uh, and individual issues. We try to tackle uh, tackle the uh, global cultural issues as a whole. Uh, through a variety of methods, uh, which we've already gone into a little bit here. Um, so what do you guys, if you guys had to summarize localism and what it meant to you, how would you define that? For me, it's prioritizing sustainability in all the spheres of life, economy, environment, politics, society, every single aspect of life should be sustainable. And that would involve ending a sort of cult of progress and growth for growth's sake. We need to instead look at the actual effects developments take before embarking on these developments and then retroactively considering whether they were good or bad for our local communities. This is essentially what sustainability is, making sure that local communities remain vibrant and healthy for a long period of time, for their whole lives. And that's what localism means to me. I think I'd agree with that on all points. For me, it's definitely uh, tied heavily to the sort of cult of growth, um, and the impact that that will have, and, and the uh, ignorance really of politicians, economists, and you know all walks of society to actually recognise the unsustainability of the current system. Uh, to expect that we can handle an infinite growth of population, to expect that we can handle the um, requirement of natural resources that this ever-growing population will require. Um, 
on all levels, really, it, is, it comes back to um, finding that balance between, you know, the, the uh, developed world and the benefits to the psychological. Um, you know, just because we can continue to grow our economy, etc., this does not mean that the people within uh, that country will necessarily live a happier life. And I mean, that can be seen in lots of third world countries, which are massively economically successful, uh, but do see a massively low quality of life. Um, you know, I think um, the best way to summarize it is that, you know, the 20th century was a massive period for growth. Um, but in the 21st century, I think it's time for us to look at that growth and see that um, the ability for human innovation is is reaching a sort of peak point. And now we need to reach some sort of level playing field, uh, some sort of stability um, for that growth, put a cap to it, and then work to improve the lives of all people across the world um, through pursuit of uh, putting those local communities first, allowing people's voices to be heard as much as possible. Absolutely. It's about empowering the people on the ground. And as we've referred to it before, this ground-up politics where normal people can dictate what their lives are like because at the moment there is no control and that is the most important element of this. It's about normal people like us being able to seize political control rather than be dictated by corporations and politicians. Exactly, yeah. We can all see the sort of uh, track that we're on. We're on the rails of ever-growing bureaucracy and life becoming an ever-growing demand to bump up your country's numbers. And by all means, uh, we should all be contributing for the betterment of our community, our nation. Um, but to, to put a uh, consequence to your own quality of life uh, ahead of that is, is, a, is a very slippery slope, I think. But that's sort of our, our philosophy. And I think we've, we're all very much on the same page. And I think a lot of the general public is very much on the same page as well. I think, you know, we're not really trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're not trying to, you know, um, bring up issues that people to some extent can't really already identify with. People are already aware about the issues of the environment, the issues of, you know, uh, a lack of representation in democracy, feeling disenfranchised. People are already aware about um, you know, the growing size of our population and, and how, how we're going to manage that. These are all, um, you know, really, really common issues. But the problem is that no one really puts them together. Currently, society and, and these sort of, you know, political movements, be it environmental or whatever else, are centralized around one major point. Uh, and what localism tries to do is it tries to bring them all together with that key focus on those local communities, that, that local initiative, um, to try and create a singular driving force behind all these issues. Uh, and we've already touched a little bit about what we think uh, local matters and the localist movement as a whole can do to achieve these goals, to reduce these problems and to encourage uh, our solutions. Um, but to speak in sort of shorter bullet point uh, sort of answers, to summarize uh, bluntly what it is we think we need to do, um, how, how would you describe in a few sentences uh, what, what the steps are? Um, Personally, I, I would talk about the cultural elements largely. I would talk about dependency we have in American media uh, on foreign trade. Um, I would talk about, um, you know, very statistical things like the growth of population through immigration. I would talk about creating local assemblies. Uh, an English parliament is definitely something we should see, as well as devolved regional parliaments, as we see in Scotland, uh, to areas like Yorkshire, the Midlands, uh, Cornwall. Um, that's what I see. I see, um, you know, the, the first step being these local powers to be granted. And then from that point on, 
tackling the the cultural elements of these issues because largely they're tied to the human element. Well, I completely agree with you, Patrick. I think this is something that should be tackled from the ground up through the implementation of direct democracy. The fact that a lot of our policies are things that the general public has time and time again voiced support for shows that this can definitely be implemented in real life if only power was returned to the local people rather than their destiny essentially being decided for them. I think that's the origin of the major disconnect in politics today, which is the disconnect between people's wish, people's wishes and political action. I think that's something that can be resolved through direct democracy, through referenda and through regionalism. And the other issues would be solved following. I completely agree. The current system absolutely disenfranchises people. If you're not a policymaker and you're not a corporate lobbyist, then you probably do not have any power in the laws that are made. And that's why Brexit was so instrumental, because the people who voted Leave saw the result of their vote and felt included as a part of a greater body which can decide the direction of an entire country. Um, referendums are essential for people to feel involved and feeling involved is necessary for democracy agreed massively i think it is all about returning power and feeling of power um to people and i think it's not a conscious decision of people to sort of you know bureaucratize everything uh but with you know the natural development society this is the situation that we're in and these are the things that we need to be tackling um you know particularly local government regionalism, things like this, are the the best stepping stones, the best groundwork for us to tackle all these issues um, because it cuts out that middleman of all of this, you know, as I said, bureaucracy out of the system and allows, you know, people to actually discuss the issues that they're passionate about and feel like they're making a real tangible impact. So, yeah, no, I agree with you both 100%. Of course, if you've got any questions on localism or anything like that, uh, feel free to send a message in through one of our social media pages, uh, which will be uh, talked about at the end of the, the podcast. Um, but I think that about brings us to a close. I mean, I don't want to drag this one out for a bit. Uh, I don't want to drag this one out for too long. Uh, it's supposed to be sort of a conclusion of our previous points. Uh, and I think we've covered everything we really need to hear. So unless you guys have got anything else to say. Nope, I think that's everything for this little conclusion podcast. Yeah, we're releasing new articles every week, new podcasts every week. Uh, we're posting on social media at least twice a week. Our politics and our beliefs are out there and we're staying active and you can get in touch with us very easily. And we're eager to start doing things on the ground more once this quarantine lifts. Well, that's it for this episode then. From now on, our podcast will be focusing on a broader range of issues, such as current affairs, as well as incorporating new features, such as guest interviews, featured organisations and much more. We hope you stick around and see what we have to offer. We're also frequently uploading new articles from many writers, so be sure to check them out and visit our brand new eShop at thelocalist.org forward slash shop. Follow us on social media such as Facebook and Instagram at localmatterseng and if you're feeling generous, consider giving us a donation at paypal.me forward slash localmatters. Thank you for listening and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.